Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is an absolutely beautiful day in Starkville, Mississippi. It's hot, and I'm tired of it being hot, uh, but we're getting there. You know, we're getting there. At some point, we will get into the fall. I remember being a kid, and it seemed like once we got into October, things kind of began to subside for us. But I'll tell you, it has been um, its been rough. It's been really rough. And I'll tell you, I, I, when we had such a mild July, I got a little bit worried. I really got worried. So, you know what? We're going to pay for this. And we have been. But I hope it's over with soon. But it is a beautiful day. As we drive around Starkville today, it's uh, everybody's, you know, for the most part, happy. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that I think that people are beginning to kind of recover from the setback of the weekend, and we're kind of looking ahead to uh, to another home game, the SEC opener. We'll remind you guys, too, 
if uh, if you haven't used the Mississippi State Ticket Office, that that is always your best bet. And there's always people that contact the show and they you know, they email me or, or social media, and there are always people looking for tickets and saying, "Hey, Steve, what's the best bet?" Your best bet is always the Mississippi State Ticket Office. And then if you can't find what you're looking for there, then, you know, you can go to some third-party vendors. You, you may pay above face value. But the bottom line is is that uh, there are a lot of times people assume that we're sold out that won't call the ticket office, and there are plenty of tickets available. And sometimes there are lower-level lower level tickets available. And so let me encourage you to use the ticket office. Those tickets also guaranteed. And then again, if you don't find what you want, go to third-party vendors. But a lot of people that ask those questions, and I've talked with Mike Ritchie about that before. Love Mike Ritchie, man. He is what man. What a great guy to represent Mississippi State. And he said, told me before on the record, there are a lot of times people assume that we're sold out when we're not. And so check the Mississippi State ticket office first. I'll remind you guys too when you're in town, enjoying some Mississippi State sports, we encourage you to go by Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely love Bulldog Burger Company. It is a great restaurant-quality hamburger. There's so many great options to choose from there. If you're somewhat health-conscious and say, you know what, Steve, I love a great burger, but, man, I tell you, i got, I got to watch the carbs. You know, i got, I, got, I got to watch things. You, you can get a gluten-free bun. You can get your hamburger served on a bed of lettuce. And I have recently saw the mission served basically on a bed of lettuce as a salad. And, and I tell you what, that, that might be the new, the new crave. You know, that might be one of those things I have to kind of get involved with. But, uh... We love Bulldog Burger Company and our family. It is the Robertson family restaurant of choice without question. We always get the spring rolls. Sometimes we get two appetizers. And when you've got as many kids as I do, sometimes you need more than one to keep the peace. But uh, I encourage you to go find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company will be opening a new location next week in Tupelo, Mississippi, on Gloucester Street. It's conveniently located right there in the heart of things. Looking forward to kind of hearing you guys' reviews. Bulldog Burger Company, a place in Starkville people go to meet. M-E-A-T, and again, soon in Tupelo, August 23rd, September 23rd, excuse me, goodness. So uh, let's get into what we have learned since we have been together. Joe Moorhead met with the media on Monday. Uh, Joe, pretty guarded with the injury report. You know, and, and I'll share with you a little frustration, too, about this injury report stuff, okay? And I understand there's only so much that people can say, but... Last Monday, the Monday before we played Kansas State, Joe said, hey, the only guy we know for sure is going to be out going to be uh, Darian Parker. And then we had some guys that were out. And uh, some of those guys, you know, we, we saw guys go down in the ballgame against Southern Miss, and then on the sidelines everybody's like, oh, yeah, they could return, they could return, they'll be tender, but they could return. And then I guess once the adrenaline of the moment began to kind of settle, we realized maybe perhaps these guys were a little more banged up than we realized. And then uh, we go through Saturday – and it's one of those things when I began to think about that whole Kansas State game, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but um, we are without our most experienced defensive tackle, Lee Autry. We are without arguably our most athletic linebacker in Willie Gay. We are without our top cover guy in Cameron Dantzler on defense. You know, against a team that's been pretty prolific offensively this year. We're mixing a match on the offensive line a little bit, you know, and so it's like I begin to get to get into these things and, and we, we talk about, you know, the, the depth issues that's kind of being realized and that sort of thing. And it just kind of takes me back to the whole thing. You know, if if I'm Joe Moorhead, I'm still a little perturbed at those guys. 
Because I, you know, I, as I've told you guys on the show Monday, I believe we should have won the game in spite of all of that. But, you know, if we're at full strength, it's probably a different day. But here's the kicker. We're not at full strength because we're having to deal with these things. We're having to deal with some unpleasantness. And for the first time this year, it really felt like that some of that kind of bubbled up. I, I really think that Willie Gay is a difference maker for our defense. Willie Gay is a freak of an athlete. He is a guy that will test extremely well. Runs well, got great length, will tackle. And so when we play teams that, um, you know, want to get out there and, and kind of get after you offensively, Willie Gay is a guy that should be able to have a good game. And listen, our linebackers you know, played pretty well. But I would contend that our best linebacker wasn't out there. When you begin to think about some of these tied in pass patterns we talked about that and I even asked Joe Moorhead that on Monday about you know how do these guys keep getting out of there how, how does that happen you know and of course everybody talks about well we had bad eyes not good eye discipline that's where the depth issue really kind of shows up when, you know Willie Gay you go back and look at some of those games last year there were times when Willie Gay would kind of have some some solid play recognition and see a guy trying to bait him into bad eyes and then he would then recover and go make a play. There are a lot of times on that on that linebacker, outside linebacker spot, they uh, the tight end will show block and then leak out, and that happened multiple times against Mississippi State. On Saturday, a more experienced and athletic player like Willie Gay is probably going to learn the first time and then prevent it the second and third and fourth times. But that was one of the things that just kind of kept going back to the well with, and the next thing you know, we were in trouble. And so not having him out there hurt the team. And I'm not going to sit here and have a bash Willie Gay segment. But that's, to me, when it shows up. It's when you have these guys, when you're when you're, you're doing kind of these gadget plays, when you're doing some things that are maybe just kind of beyond the base offense, you need experienced guys out there. You need guys who've already been through the war. And listen, you know, Tim Washington's given us everything he's got. But, you know, Tim is a guy that hadn't played a whole lot of football. And he's a senior and really kind of began to get some playing time last year, but he's a guy that hasn't been in those situations like Willie Gay has. And so as a result, Kansas State takes advantage of that. And so to me, that's where I think it kind of shows up there. We talk about special teams, and as I said on Monday's show, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that's a factor a lot of people are making it out to be. I mean, granted, if we tackle Malik Knowles anywhere, we'd probably win the ball game. But I think the bigger issue is when you know when you get out there in game time situations and, and there's one-on-one matchups because the, the coaching of today, it is not one of those deals where we're just going to line up and go play team football. You know, while football is the ultimate team game, it is now it, it is a 11 versus 11 one-on-one matchup. Everybody now schemes against you and tries to get matchups that are advantageous to their offense. And that's what I really thought when we talk about, you know, getting out coached and getting out schemed, that's what I thought. I thought Kansas State schemed us up really well. They knew we were going to be somewhat inexperienced that outside linebacker position. They knew that we were somewhat inexperienced at a couple other spots and they exploited that. And they went to the well over and over and over again and we had difficulty adjusting. Those those are things that kind of stay with me. But I asked you about those things and I asked him too about third down uh, percentage. You know, our third down conversions in the second half of that ball game were awful. I mean, absolutely awful. And Joe agrees, you know, and that's what we had been pretty good in the first couple of ball games. We were not good in the ball game Saturday. 
And that's got to get better. Some of that's play calling. Some of that's execution. Some of that's bad luck. Sometimes defense makes a play. But when you can't move the change, you can't score. You know, we, we love to be a big play offense, and we're kind of, you know, developing into that. But that's not quite where we are. We can't afford to go out there and be awful on third down in the second half of a tight ball game. We can't. And that's the thing. We had the opportunity with the lead, with the ball, with a chance to put the game away, and we didn't do it. And it really wasn't so much about Kansas State making plays. It was about we had an opportunity to do it, and we didn't execute. And those are the things that stay with me. Uh, but I thought Joe was, uh, you, know, you know, Joe made kind of an impassioned plea at the end of the press conference about you guys coming out. Uh, it's the SEC opener. And he goes, you know, listen, we're not going to let one game define our season. He said all the right things. And uh, my hope is you guys will be here. My hope you, you guys will turn out and come cheer for the Bulldogs. It's, uh, it is a big game. And uh, on Friday, we're going to get a lot more in-depth with some of the stuff. But I think it's pretty apparent right now that, Mississippi State fans just simply need a win. The Bulldogs need a win. I believe they're going to get one on Saturday. But Mississippi State needs a win. Mississippi State folks need to feel like they've righted the ship a little bit. Because here's the thing that I have learned. And I've been a Bulldog fan my whole life. So I feel like I'm entitled to say these kind of things. But um, we, we lost for so long. And so when Dan Mullen comes in, and even that 2009 year that we go 5-7, and seven, you know, you go 5-7, and seven, you win the Egg Bowl, and you're competitive in most games. We should have beat LSU. We should have beat Houston. We should have been in a bowl game in 2009, right? I mean, do we, do we not all agree? If we have a review of that Tyson Lee play where they said that he was beyond line of scrimmage where he wasn't, and he hit Leon Berry, that would have been a first and goal deal. If that's reversed, we win the ball game. If we make a tackle of Chad Jones on a punt return, we win the ball game. You know, so that's how close that, that season. We were 5-7. and seven, but we were two plays away from flipping that being seven and five, and we won the Egg Bowl. And everybody was like, you know what? Hey, I know we didn't win the ball game, and we were so close, but we're taking steps in the right direction. And so five and seven with a couple of narrow losses, and we, we even you know, we felt like, you know what? Just wait till next year. And it wasn't one of those, well, I guess we'll see next year. It was not like, you know what? We're going to be a better team next year. And we were. And even though Dan Mullen didn't have any currency built up, we had lost for so long. You know, people forget that snowball was in 2000. And the only other ball game that we went to in the 2000s was the 2007 Liberty Bowl. Had a lot of losing years in there. Had a lot of games we got absolutely embarrassed. I'm sure you guys remember that. So when Dan comes in and all of a sudden we're exciting on offense, because not only were we losing at times, we were boring at times, but Dan comes in and all of a sudden, you know, the very, the very first play of the Dan Mullen era, people were, you know, may remember this. We do an end-around pass to Chad Bumpus, let Chad throw it, and he nearly threw a touchdown. And I joke with him, he nearly threw an interception too. But, but it was kind of like Dan was kind of laying the groundwork given an opening shot is, you know what, we're going to be different. We're going to be innovative. And that built up some currency with the fan base. And so Joe Moorhead comes in with a much different situation. Joe comes in, we have now grown accustomed to winning because we have gone to bowl games, what, nine consecutive years. And so we're looking at this deal, I guess we've been been since 2010. We have grown accustomed to making holiday plans that involve Mississippi State football after a decade of, you know, barely getting to go. And so now, 
it's one of those deals where it's okay. Well, it's it's not enough just to go to a ball game, Joe. You know, we we brought you in thinking, okay, that uh, if you remember some people, that was kind of the buzzword when we hired Jim Moorhead. People were trying to say well, it was an upgrade. It was an upgrade. It was an upgrade. It was an upgrade. And it might prove to be. But the bottom line is, is like last year, as we saw, we had such high expectations. I did. You did. We all did. We had these tremendous expectations for our football program. And then we go to Kentucky and lay an egg. And then we're like, okay, maybe we got caught looking ahead a little bit to Florida. Maybe we got a little bit undisciplined on the road at Lexington. And they were a good team. One of the better teams Kentucky has had. And some of our deficiencies were exposed in a ball game. We're like, you know what, that's okay. All right, we'll get by that. And even though I think we had kind of felt like we had graduated and we were a better program than Kentucky, and I still believe that. But last year they beat us. Then we said, okay, we, we, we can't go out and lose to Florida. That's the one thing we couldn't do. And I still think there are some Mississippi State fans that uh, have not forgiven Joe Moorhead for losing to Dan Mullen because there were so many people, the, the, uh, the emotions were still so raw. It was still one of those things where, like, you know what? He left us. He left us. We had some good times together, but he left us. And the last thing that we wanted to have to live with is that guy coming in here and beating us. And he did. 13-6. to It was a boring ball game. It was an absolutely boring ball game. But you know what? We wanted to win that boring ball game. We get beat on a trick play. And again, Dan Mullen's a good football coach. A lot of people don't, aren't willing to admit that anymore. Dan Mullen's a good football coach. Dan Mullen did great things for us here at Mississippi State. But Dan Mullen also knew the personnel. We have uh, Jonathan Abram go down to a uh, bit of an injury, and we have to take him out of the ball game. And we put Stephen Adagoke in, and the first thing Dan Mullen does is dial up a trick play and goes right at Adagoke, and they score a touchdown. 10-6. And it seemed like when they scored then, it really seemed like much bigger than that because it, it just it felt like we weren't going to score. It just felt like we were so anemic offensively that we weren't going to score. And people forget that uh, we led in that ball game most of the game until that halfback pass deal to put them ahead 10-6. We were up 6-3 at the half. People, people forget that. As boring as it was, we were still ahead in that ball game. But there are a lot of people, even today, that still look at that ball game and say, you know what, that's when Joe lost me, when he lost to Dan Mullen. After what Dan Mullen had done to us, as good as we had been to Dan Mullen, and we had a chance to teach him that, you know what, you did some great things for us, but, you know, we're, we're not the Mississippi State you found, and we have to live with that. We have to live with the fact that we lost that ball game. And there are a lot of people that jumped off the Joe, Joe Moorhead bandwagon after that game. That's the reality of it. Then we started getting some people back because we beat Auburn. And uh, one of the things that, that annoys me about that Auburn win, and, and I, I want to share this because I want to make sure that everybody gets it, that there are some people out there that, that want to say, well, you know, you know, well, they had those fumbles and we had that, you know, that call at the goal line. You know what, guys, that's part of the game. I get a little tired of Mississippi State fans feeling the need to kind of apologize for our success as if we got lucky with everything. There's a little luck in this game. There's a lot of luck in this game. And when you play hard, good things happen to you. That's what Coach Tom Bowser taught me when I was at Columbia High School. When you play hard, luck finds you. 
you think when Booby Whitlow was running for a touchdown and all of a sudden we run him down and knocked the ball loose and recovered and end zone, that was luck? Are you kidding me? It's one of the most athletic plays the Mississippi State defensive backs ever made. You run that guy down, and we're all, when, the guy, when Booby Whitlow got loose, we're all thinking, you know what, oh, my goodness, we're in trouble. And we have a guy that says, you know what, not today, Whitlow, not today. Not at Davis Wade Stadium. If you're going to get in that end zone, you're going to have to earn it. And we run him down, tackle him from behind, knock the ball loose, we recover it. There's, luck's got nothing to do with that, folks. That's effort. That's execution. That's just simply wanting it. But we get some people back, and then we go on the road to OSU, and we go 19-3 and in that ball game, and uh, our defense played lights out. People forget LSU had a, real, a tough time really scoring in the ball game. Not as tough a time as we did. It was Nick Fitzgerald's worst day in the uniform. And that's when all the chatter began to talk about. You know what? We need to play Keaton. We need to play Keaton. We didn't. We, Nick wasn't ready. Then we, we beat A&M, and Nick has a good ball game. Big moment. And a lot of people said, okay, all right, okay, all right, Joe, all right. Because we thought we were about to go in the tank. We, we put some offense together against A&M. A lot of people were expecting a to beat us. We beat them. The next week, we embarrassed Louisiana Tech, 45-3. Offense is back on track. We go to Alabama. We get shut out, 24 nothing. But I think because our fans were so incensed, at Jeff Batts and Rob Skelton and that whole officiating snafu there that, you know, we were able to kind of give Joe a pass because we all saw it. We saw Dedrick Thomas get flagged for that penalty. We saw that Alabama fumbled. We didn't get the, the courtesy of a review. So I think in many ways we kind of passed. We're like, oh, you know what? We didn't expect to win that game anyway, but we still got cheated. And we did. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what Greg Sankey says. I don't care what uh, Steve Shaw says. Those officials affected the game. It was, there was incredible incompetence in that ball game. And the fact that the Southeastern Conference Control Center can't get a game stop to get a review in, give me a break. I'm not, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. And nor should you. Well, of course, the next week we, we beat Arkansas 52-6 to and looked good doing it. That was the big cheerleader game, if you remember, when Arkansas players were out there trying to pick up our cheerleaders and get their, uh, their Instagrams. All that good stuff. And then the next week, we go to Oxford on Thanksgiving, and we embarrassed Ole Miss 35-3. And then at that point, people were like, okay, I remember people saying, you know what, Steve? That's when Joe became our coach. When all that stuff happened after the postgame and Joe and Ross Bjork got into it, Joe was our guy. And I think at that point, everybody kind of settled in. I think Joe was happy to be our coach, and I think Joe was welcomed to the rivalry. You know what, out there, big mouth AD out there popping off, right? Because that's how we see Ross Bjork too, right? I mean, that's how we all saw him. That's we all saw, that's the old Miss story. And so Joe f- found out what we already knew. And so all of a sudden, Joe was one of us. And so all of a sudden, we're feeling good. And, and you know, we, we get to the Outback Bowl for the first time in school history. We're thinking, you know what? Now we're good to go. And what do we do? We go lose the ball game, and again, now everybody's off Jim Moorhead bandwagon. And we looked somewhat decent the first couple of games this year. Didn't look great. We looked a little bit better offensively, and I think that was welcome news for everybody. We knew defensively we were going to take a little bit of a step back, but we you know, thought we'd be okay. And then we lose that ball game last week, and so those same familiar whispers are kind of bubbling up again. And so in order for Joe to quiet those, you got to go win, and that's the whole thing. That's the thing that everybody, you know, 
And Henry Ballard and I had this conversation years ago. Winning makes everything better. The grass is greener, the water is cleaner, your girlfriend's prettier. I mean, everything is better when you win. The people around you are better when you win. People want to buy your dinner when you win. When you lose, nobody wants to be around you. People don't want to sit by you in a restaurant. People gravitate to winners. And so State's got to go win this ball game. we we got two road games coming up after this one. we got to go win this one Saturday. You're 3-1 and one headed to Auburn. That's a bit of a toss-up game. Uh, we'll see what happens with Auburn. I'll, I'm always worried about going over there. And then we've got that trip to Tennessee, and a lot of people have already penciled that in as a win for Mississippi State. But after last weekend, people kind of rethinking it. But I think a lot of that is centers around the fact that Tommy Stevens is not 100%. For you guys that like to have a little skin in the game, let me encourage you. Our friends at MyBookie, more than happy to work with you. Uh, they've been sponsors of the show a long time during football season. Happy to have them back and with us again because it's important to understand it's not just who you're betting on. It's who you're betting with. And so if you're a person who likes to have some skin in the game, maybe it's time you put your money where your mouth is. MyBookie.ag has been a, a longtime partner of this show. And uh, we wouldn't recommend you to go somewhere if we thought that they were unscrupulous. And so these are people that are tried and true. We've got several Boneyard listeners that uh, use my bookie as uh, their betting medium. So if that's your sort of thing, let me encourage you to use a promo code of 3DOG. That's the number three and then letters D-O-G as in three dog night. Remember that. Joy to the world. 3DOG and they will match your initial deposit. And you can get to work today. They have in-game live betting. Uh, it's an easy program to use. It's one of those things. Just visit them, mybookie.ag. Very, very simple. Very, very good odds. It's one of those things, too, where you, if you get involved in that, you know, if that's your cup of tea, I think you're going to be pleased with the perks you have there at mybookie.ag. So Tommy Stevens, I mentioned him not being 100% before the break. We had a chance to meet with him on Tuesday evening. Tommy looks fine. Tommy says all the right things. And just as I mentioned to you guys last week, last week whenever we met with offensive players, Tommy Stevens is available. Now, it has been the rule of thumb at Mississippi State when guys are ineligible or suspended or unhealthy, they're not available to the media. And so Tommy came out last night kind of ratified what Joe Moorhead said about him on Monday, that this time last week, Tommy was in a much worse situation. But a week later, he's feeling better. Uh, He's not 100%. Now, will he be 100% by Saturday? I don't know that anybody's 100% by Saturday, but they will be somewhat limited with him in practice again this week to get him ready to go. I expect him to be better than he was Saturday. He said that he didn't really feel it that much, but I think we all agree he wasn't quite right. There were a couple, you know, his mechanically, he was missing high just a little bit, and I think we all kind of saw that. But uh, some of that, too, is just him being a competitor. Tommy Stevens wanted to play in the ball game, and that's been a hot question here as of late. Well, Steve, why did he play if he wasn't 100%? Well, even at 80%, Tommy Stevens is really good. And not to mention, the competitive juices get flowing. This is a guy that's been waiting to be a starting quarterback his entire career. And so if he felt like he could play, he was going to play. And I'm sure that the play calling was some effect that he says that he was not limited, that he was not told, hey, don't don't run, don't do this, don't do that. But I think we could all see it. And I think everybody knew that uh, he was a little bit banged up. It got out, obviously, because of the fact that the Southern Miss games on television. 
And so you see a guy pull out of the ball game. You see him grab for that shoulder. You expect it. You expect that he's going to be limited to the next ball game, and he was. Tommy says he's good to go. We expect him to start on Saturday. And I think we needed him to start on Saturday because of the fact that Kentucky's not very good against the pass. Not very good at all against the pass. Matter of fact, they're really bad against the pass. And so if you can come out and establish some things and get Colin Hill running it again, I think you've got a good chance to go win the ball game. Kentucky also dealing with a backup quarterback situation. Sawyer Smith, a guy that has taken over for Terry Wilson, who has been lost for the year, and there's there's been a rash of that lately. Felipe Franks in Florida, out for the year. And I hate to say it, if I can say it without crying, Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. Tough year for the Steelers, for sure. But Tommy Stevens is going to play. Now, Garrett Schrader is taking most of the reps with the ones in practice this week. He will be available again. I asked him last night. I said, hey, listen, Garrett, you've played in a couple ball games. You know, you got, you got a couple of games left where you can still redshirt. Do you want a redshirt? You know, do, do you want to play? What, and he's like, you know, I'll do whatever they want me to do. And I think ideally what the hope is is that Tommy Stevens returns to good health. We begin to win ball games again, and you're able to, to preserve Garrett Schrader. That's the hope. Because we need four years for that kid. I think that guy's going to win a lot of ball games here. He's got some freshman mistakes and things he's got to clean up, and I think we can all agree the kid's a winner. He's a competitor. He mentioned to us that he'd only seen the highlight, you know, about four times. And he goes, he never goes looking for it. He's had some people send it to him. He thinks the memes are funny. But uh, he's just not engaged in that sort of stuff. And, and you know, Tommy Stevens said that Garrett's a guy that is really focused on football and, and just doesn't let a lot of outside influences kind of distract him from all that. Garrett somewhat disagreed with that and said, you know, yeah, I like football, but it's, it's kind of what I do. It's not necessarily who I am. And so, you, and you can watch those videos. We have those for free over on Gene's page. You can go watch that right now, jeanspage.com. You can watch Tommy Stevens' video from last night, Garrett Schrader's video from last night, and Lee Witherspoon's video from last night. And uh, those are all on the front page for everybody. Whether you're a member or not, you can go watch those. And we encourage you to go do that because even if you're not a member, we want you to frequent the site. We're going to have a lot of free content up there for you where you can keep up. Matter of fact, nobody's going to have more content about Mississippi State than we are, period. Simple as that. But uh, Lee Witherspoon meets with us last night, his first media opportunity since he joined the Mississippi State program. And kind of the rule of thumb is we don't talk to freshmen until they've actually done something or played. Uh, He shared with us when he scored that touchdown against Southern Miss that um, he was a little bit overwhelmed and wasn't quite sure what to do with his end zone celebration because he was a little bit surprised he was there. And this is a guy that scored more touchdowns than anybody in the history of Alabama football in a single season. He said that was the, the greatest touchdown of his career, the first one in college. He is a very, very, very soft-spoken guy, I guess you would say. You know, we've got some guys that are a little more demonstrative in how they speak and that sort of stuff and real outgoing. Lee is not like that. Lee's a little more subdued. He does his best talking on the field. And he is a young guy, too, that I think you guys are going to be – we're going to look back one day and say, you know what, I'm glad we had an extra scholarship that year. I'm glad that we were looking to go ahead and sign two running backs in that class because – Ordinarily, you wouldn't have taken that guy. You wouldn't have taken Lee Witherspoon late. But because things didn't work out with John Emery, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we prefer to have Lee Witherspoon over John Emery. But it is good the fact that when the John Emery situation did not work out, that we were able to go find a guy as prolific as Lee Witherspoon. And people forget he was a wide receiver most of his college high school career and then made to move to running back 
as a, to, to fill a team need as a senior. So he's basically got one year of a high school experience as a running back, and now he has played as a true freshman in a Southeastern Conference. That's one thing to think when you look back on Saturday. I mean, you begin to kind of look at some of that stuff. you got Garrett Schrader out there making plays as a freshman. you got Lee Witherspoon making plays as a freshman. you got some of those young guys out there, Jerry and Jones, Martin Emerson, making plays as freshmen. You know, as good as things have been, I think we've got some young talent out there that's, that's really making some plays for us. And those are things that excite me because I, I believe this is sustainable. And I just want people out there saying, oh, you know, we're going to take a step back. And some of that, too, uh, is because, you know, it's like I think many of us see that, okay, when Dan Mullen came in, that we kind of caught light in a bottle. And that now that Dan is gone, that perhaps we're going to go back to what we were before. And I just don't buy into that. I think that we are recruiting at a level, and I think the way that our administration is committed to football from a facility standpoint that we are going to continue to attract talent that will keep us competitive in the Southeastern Conference. I think that is I think that is clear at this point. Dr. Mark Keenum is a sports guy. John Cohen, very much a sports guy. They understand the importance of athletic success and how it relates to student recruitment at Mississippi State. It's not just about athletics. But that is a huge part of our branding is when our athletic programs are successful. You don't think Jake Mangum has, uh, has put some uh, Mississippi State students into the hallways of the Mississippi State residence halls? You don't think Jake Mangum has helped us expand the brand? That's absolutely what's happened. And so people want to associate with winners. And it's a great time to be a student at Mississippi State. And so they get it. They're not going to sit back and allow one of our athletic programs to just tank. I mean, I think those days are over with. I think some of our fans sometimes, you know, we we buy into this thing. It's like, well, you know what, I'm happy if we win, but if we lose, I'm going to go ahead and say these things just because it it's easier to deal with those sort of things. If I can just go out there and just say, well, you know what, we don't deserve any better. But, but see, we do. That's the thing. We, we do deserve better. I don't think we deserve any less than anybody else just because of the fact that we've had a losing tradition. Uh, you know, in the in the years between Alan McKean and, and, and Emory Ballard. And that's the reality of things. You know, Bob Tyler, of course, put some good years together for us. But the, but the bottom line is this, is that, you know, for many, many years, we were not committed to football at Mississippi State. And now we are. We're still playing catch-up. But I think we're probably a program that probably needs to overpay for a coach. I think we're we're a program that probably has to have an offensive-minded coach. I think because of our recruiting footprint, in order for us to get the offensive players that we need to be successful, that's the, the direction that we have to take. We Listen, we tried the whole three yards on a cloud of dust and then the, the big defense uh, for years and years and years. And the problem with that is, is that at some point those guys would graduate and then we would crater again. You build and build and build, and you finally get seniors. You get to go to a bowl game, and then they all leave, and you go right back down to the bottom of the heap. You know that's one of the things I'll give Dan Mullen a lot of credit for is that when he was here, we avoided those really lean years. Even in the rebuilding years, we still found a way to go to bowl games. And people forget before Emory Ballard got here, we'd been to four bowl games in our history. In our history, some of that had to do with our uh, performance on the field. Some of it had to do with the fact we just didn't have any political clout. We didn't have the money. We couldn't guarantee season tickets, and we couldn't guarantee bowl ticket sales like some other people. Bowls in those days were 100% about money. 
they're about money now too, but they're also there's their sponsorship. Back in those days, you know, selling the tickets was the biggest part of things. Mississippi State fans didn't travel. We didn't have a lot of fans, goodness gracious. And now we do. But we are still playing catch up. And so I think it's for, important for people to understand a lot of people had a head start on us, but we have the leadership now that are committed to ensuring that Mississippi State fans have a quality experience. The Mississippi State fans have a lot to cheer for. And so I get excited about that because I think about Dr. Keenum's age, John Cohen's age, Jim Moorhead's age, Crystal Monos' age. You know, these are you know, these are the people that are kind of building the uh, you know the foundation of our of our program that they're taking us to new heights and these people are going to be here for a while. At least that's the hope, right? And so when you look at that, you begin to think, okay, as great as the last two years have been for us on all fields of play, we're beginning to recruit and cultivate talent. And we're beginning to do things that we've never done before. And I don't think there's any question that Mississippi State is in the best position we've ever been in when it comes to athletics. There's no question. I'm a big Dr. Mark Keenum fan, huge Mark Keenum fan, among the biggest Mark Keenum fans. And I remember when, when his name first came up to me, I had some people reach out to me and say, you know what, Dr. Mark Keenum is one of us. Dr. Mark Keenum understands our values at Mississippi State. He is committed to athletics. He is committed to agriculture. He is committed to the values Mississippi State is built upon. He is our guy. I didn't know anything about Mark Keenum until I got those phone calls. And the more that I learned about him, the more I realized, you know what, this is correct. This is the man to lead Mississippi State. Now, is he perfect by any stretch? No. But the bottom line is, is that we are in a much better position than we have been in, and possibly at any point in our history. And now we need to go win a football game, right? I want to remind you guys, too, Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole group down there, they're going to take care of you. They're going to take care of your Mississippi State merchandising needs because that's what they do. If you can't come to town, if you live, let's say, you live across enemy lines and you can't find Mississippi State merchandise at your local store. And that's one of the things used to frustrate me about Baton Rouge. Even, even when I would come across into the you know, border towns of Macomb, Mississippi, I couldn't find Mississippi State stuff. If you're burdened with that, you can find exactly what you want at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That promo code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll save you shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Also share with you, too, I've had people reach out to me saying, Steve, I want to, I want to find Flim Flam. Campus Bookmart has some copies. So you can order that from them. You can call them. They'll, they'll send it out to you. And uh, we'll have some more news about Flim Flam in the coming weeks, some things I can't talk about just, just yet. But uh, we'll have some information about that uh, coming soon. to be able to explain some things for you guys. Maybe they're, they're curious about that. But also Stark Villains will be out. Uh, much sooner rather than later. looks like it's going to be an October release. Still working on the date. I was hopeful for a September release, but uh, those things are beyond my pay grade. But all that being said, going to have plenty for you guys to read, and you can find it at campusbookmart.net. So uh, a couple of things I wanted to get into before we get out of here today. I don't know if you are aware of this, but if you look at the 2019 statistics, 
let's go look at a couple things here while we are here together. So when I look at the rushing statistics, we know Colin Hill's doing well. But let's get into this a little bit more. Let's kind of dig into this a little bit better here, okay? Colin Hill leads the Southeastern Conference with 431 yards rushing through three games. Three games. I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to make you aware of it right now. There have not been a lot of Mississippi State running backs to eclipse the 1,000-yard mark. Uh, Wayne Jones, the only one to do it twice. I believe that's correct. Yeah, I'm almost positive that's correct. But, uh, you know, just looking through the numbers here, I mean, let's just start looking at the top 10 list. Kiefer, number 10, 1,072 yards. Aris Williams, 1107 back in 2017. Man, it sure would have been nice to have that in 2018. Hi, Charles Huff. Uh, Jerry Norwood in 2005, 11-26. Nick Fitzgerald, your quarterback, 1,136 yards in 2018. That's last year. Vic Ballard, 1,189 yards in 2011. Wayne Jones, as I mentioned, 1193 in 1973. Josh Robinson, 1203 in 2014. That's the number one year. J.J. went for 1383 in 98. That's the SEC West Championship year. Nick Fitzgerald, 1385 in 2016. Had he not had his uh, leg broken on cheap shot um, a few years ago, he would uh, probably been on this list three times. Anthony Dixon, your single-season leader, 1,391 yards. So Nick Fitzgerald, Wayne Jones, the only 2,000-yard rushers, and Nick did it as a quarterback. But Wayne Jones, the only Bulldog running back, if I'm not mistaken, to have done it twice. So when you look at those numbers, Colin Hill has a real chance to break into the top 10 and, and could have one of the more memorable seasons in Mississippi State running back history. Now, we're about to get into SEC play, so you expect the pace to kind of slow down just a bit. But the fact that he's already leading the Southeastern Conference, and just to kind of put this, this in perspective, he's 90 yards ahead of number two. That's Booby Whitlow of Auburn. So we'll have a chance to see those guys face off head-to-head -head here in a couple of years. Number three on the list, Scotty Phillips at Ole Miss, who has been a much better player than I think people anticipated him being. Rakeem Boyd at Arkansas, 303. DeAndre Swift at Georgia, 290. And you get a little deeper than that. But my point about all this is, is that Kylan Hill, through three games, is having one of the best starts in school history when it comes to rushing. And he is, within a, a couple of games, of already surpassing his uh, you know, career rushing totals. He's got to keep that guy healthy. Got to find a way to keep defenses from focusing just on him, and that's why I think Tommy Stevens got to be able to run it a little more effectively. Uh, Tommy Stevens' numbers, he has only played officially, you know, two games, right, because he, he missed the second half of two games. As you guys know, he didn't take a snap in the second half of the Southern Miss game in one series uh, this past weekend against Kansas State. So he's only played one full game and then uh, a couple halves. Tommy Stevens, 441 yards passing, 36 of 55 for a completion percentage of 65.46%. Now, that's one of the things that we have talked about in recent years is how bad the completion percentage has been for Mississippi State quarterbacks. That is better. He's also had a couple of interceptions. 
the, one of the biggest concerns to me about all of this stuff with Tommy is despite the fact that he has only played two games, he is the second most sacked quarterback in the Southeastern Conference with six. The last place guys, Matt Corral at, at Ole Miss with seven, but that, that, that's a depleted offensive line, and Matt has played three games. And so what, what my concern is, is I look at this and say, you know what, if, if Tommy had played three full games, chances are we would be at the bottom of that list, and we're almost there anyway. Those are the things that I look at, and I just kind of scratch my head a little bit, and I wonder, as we get into SEC play, uh, what does that mean? Now, some of this can be attributed to Tommy hold on the ball a little bit, and that was the first sack, you know, against Louisiana, where he says, you know what, he didn't shift the protections. He thought he could make it right. He didn't. And some of this, too, I think is mix and match on the offensive line. As we get into SEC play, I expect things to kind of settle in that respect. I don't think we're going to see – you know, a bunch of guys, it's not going to be musical chairs out there like it's been. I think you have built some depth and gotten some rep and had some teachable moments, and then you can go ahead and kind of put those things together now, and you settle your depth chart now. I'm hearing there's possibility Darian Parker could play this week. We'll, we'll see. Not sure if he's ready to start, but I think he's one of those guys you look at and say, you know what, this is a guy that could, that could make some plays for us. Now, Osiris Mitchell, Mississippi State's leading receiver, is currently eighth in the Southeastern Conference with 208 receiving yards. Now, some other guys out there putting up some some huge numbers out there. But as far as Mississippi State is concerned, Osiris has been where it's at. Jerry Judy from Alabama leads the league with 24 catches. Osiris, eighth, pardon me, yeah, eighth in the league catches and yards. Yards per reception, it's a little more difficult. You know, you got some guys that are making some big plays with a lot less catches. But with even with that, Osiris is in the top 20, averaging 16 yards of reception. Uh, that dog will hunt, right? Uh, that, that, that'll get you fired up a little bit, you know. Uh, when I look at his numbers from a touchdown standpoint, that this is where, where I think the surprise comes from with Osiris. It's, it's become, he has become such a big play receiver. Three touchdowns, which is good for third best in the Southeastern Conference. Terrence Marshall at LSU is tearing it up. He's already got six. And we knew those young receivers at, at LSU were going to get going. You know, they're getting going. Uh, Jawan Jennings at Tennessee has four. Jerry Judy was four. Justin Jefferson from LSU with four. And then you get into those guys with three. So, you know, Osiris right there with them. Uh, and, and that's one of the things when I look at when State has needed a play in the passing game, that's who the guys have gone to, both Garrett Schrader and Tommy Stevens. And uh, whether it be a possession play on third down or a play in the red zone, they're looking for him. And Osiris was a guy that we signed in June. Not on signing day. We signed him in June. There were some concerns about him qualifying. He proved to be a late qualifier. We signed him in June. And then he enrolls at Mississippi State. That's the year we signed him and Reggie Todd both post-signing day. And Reggie Todd would still be running all over the place, you know, had he not been, you know, kicked out of school. But my point being is that there have been so many times we invest so much time and effort on recruiting wide receivers, and we get so excited about them, and this guy's got these offers, and, I, and, and you know, this guy's got four stars next to his name. And then I see Osiris Mitchell, and I, I just kind of laugh, and I think this is the guy that nobody saw coming. 
We had a handful of catches, you know, back in 2017. You know, he was forced to play because we had so many injuries at the position. And he goes out there, and I remember it, it seemed like every time we threw him in the football, it was first down. And then last year he comes along and and, you know, and is kind of born again hard because Luke Getzey, you know, I remember I remember when they kept telling us he was a guy that was going to be a starter, we were all kind of scratching our heads a little bit. And I think Luke Getzey is a guy that gave Osiris Mitchell a clean slate. And I think the fact that he, maybe he didn't know his history allowed Osiris the opportunity to start fresh and to be the player that he wanted to be. And even last year when he made those big catches and he had some big things that, that happened for him, he was still very humble. And then he had the situation where he drops that ball against Florida. And rather than letting that crush him, he worked hard and got better. And so now we see him as a guy that's out here running around making plays. And it's almost now when I see him, you know, drop back on third down, I automatically kind of look in his direction, you know, kind of hoping that they're going to throw the ball to him. And he had a couple of huge catches on third down this past weekend. When, when State put that decisive drive together, together to take the lead in the third quarter. Mitchell was a big part of that. Looking at some defensive numbers here. Mississippi State's leading tackler, Jaquarius Capri Landrews from Macomb, Mississippi, with 24 tackles. Tied for fourth in the Southeastern Conference through three games, 24 tackles. You don't think Bob Shoup's having that guy around the football? Uh, tied for fifth in the league, Leo Lewis, Errol Thompson. Leo led you in tackles last weekend. One of his better games as a Bulldog. And he is one of those kind of guys, too, that he has been so hit or miss. And uh, I, I can't begin to think about some of the things that yeah, that guy's had to deal with. But uh, to see him have a big game last week I thought was big. We need him to have a big season. He needs to have a big season. Errol Thompson right there with him, 23 tackles. Uh, so Mississippi State has three tacklers in the top six in the Southeastern Conference. I don't know that anybody saw that coming. You get a little too deeper, a little deeper in it. You got C.J. Morgan right there, tied for ninth with Cash Daniel from Kentucky with 19 tackles. Matter of fact, Kentucky's got two tacklers in the top 20, both of them linebackers: DeAndre Square, Cash Daniel. Mississippi State has been pretty good at forcing turnovers. We have not done a good job when it comes to getting the quarterback on the ground. That said, Brian Cole tied for second in the Southeastern Conference with two sacks, two sacks. There's a handful of guys ahead of him with three. But uh, Coles had a couple of sacks. The one that he had this past weekend against Kansas State, against uh, Skyward Thompson, I thought was going to be very impactful. And uh, we had a difficult time putting the things together offensively after that. But uh, turnovers have been good. We forced a lot of fumbles. You know, Cam Dancer, C.J. Morgan both got a pair of picks. But, uh, you know, we, we, we forced some fumbles out there. And I think that's, you know, when you begin to look at this, it's kind of a, a team deal. We've even got Stuart Reese out here forcing fumbles. Right, guys? So some defensive numbers. So we, we feel good about some things. We feel bad about some things. But the bottom line is, you know, through, through three games, we have seen some development. We have seen some things to be excited about. But we've also seen some things to be concerned about. And my hope is this weekend – we can see a complete game for Mississippi State because, as we saw in the, we I don't think we've seen that in three games. I don't think we've seen. So we've had stretches there. We've had quarters. We've put things together, but we have not seen a complete game for Mississippi State from an offensive, defensive, and special team standpoint. 
as we discussed on Monday, we, we talk, people say, well, you know, this is a good team win. When I look back at Saturday, it was a team loss. There was enough blame to go around. There was no unit you look at and say, you know what, those guys needed a little help because every unit made plays to lose the ball game. Didn't boil down to one play. Whether it be bad uh, third down conversion on offense or it would be missed tackles on defense or uh, special teams coverage, you know, there, there was something with every unit that we blew. And so now it's about putting that together. And so my hope is Mississippi State will correct the correctable things from last weekend and go out there and play their best ball game on on Saturday. And I, I again, I'll tell you now, I expect State to win the ball game. I don't think I don't know if it's going to be a pretty ball game, but I expect Mississippi State to win the ball game. And I do expect Tommy Stevens to be more like Tommy Stevens on Saturday. I think he'll be a whole lot closer to 100%. And because of that, because of the fact that they're going to have to respect the fact that Tommy Stevens is going to be able to throw the football. That's going to open up some things for Colin Hill. I look for Colin Hill to have a much better ball game this year against Kentucky than Mississippi State had last year. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. I encourage, if you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com and pre-order your copies of Stark Villains. And you can get your Stark Villains shirts and hoodies at StarkVillains.com. And also, Thursday night on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page, I'll be having a uh, Facebook Live show at 8 o'clock. Did one on Monday, kind of as a trial run. You know, I'll end up, I'll upgrade the camera. We'll do some other stuff. I just wanted to kind of get one under the belt. Uh, you know, over 6,200 views, I guess, so far. Yeah, what's so it's a good start, but we want a lot more than that. We want all of you to come. 8 p.m. I don't know what we're going to call it. A good friend of mine says, let's call it Rose Bowl After Dark. And maybe we do that. Maybe we do that. But 8 o'clock Thursday on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. And if you hadn't done so, please go like that page on Facebook. And that way, all of our content and the only content we put on a Facebook page is free content. And we want you to come be a subscriber for us. But you know what? If, if you say, you know what, Steve, I'm just not in a position to do that. I don't pay for websites, whatever. You can like our Facebook page, and you can have all of those free articles sent directly to your feed, and you can keep up Mississippi State that way. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.